Okay. Well, those are very important things. So, first things first. So. I mean, especially for this show, I got my my hair can't be looking. I can't be I can't be on the wrong side of the part. Um, <laughs> All right, I just hit record. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, we record this uh, live, and we post it on our Outside the Box podcast uh, next week. I, I guess this episode will will go up. So shout out to all the Outside the Boxers uh, listening over on uh, Apple and Spotify. Uh, Doc, you ready to answer some questions, man? Sure, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, this one is... A, one around Cognitex over the last couple of weeks. We've talked a lot about Cognitex. It's a life extension vitamin uh, for brain, uh, memory, cognition. Uh, last week, you said the Cognitex has really helped your brain. In what way? Memory, focus, or what? Uh, this is a question around how are you using Cognitex? Well, as you know, I have a huge brain, Ben, and always have since I was a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying to make Ben laugh. It's hard to do because he doesn't get my jokes. Uh, but uh, no, it is. It's I do take it. You know, it's not a miracle drug by any means, but it definitely helps those neurotransmitters work a little better. It has phosphatidylcholine, phosphatidylserine, and it just helps me be a little more alert. Hopefully, you want the memory to be uh, your memory to be good because when you get 68 years old. Uh, you really need all your faculties and focus. I think it does help me focus. There's a couple things I take. One is Cognitex every day. Mm-hmm. And the other one is I like the, the, the CBD gummy called energy. And to me, it gives me kind of a calm focused energy. You see, there's Ike. He's wanting to get on here early tonight. Tell um, Ike to be patient. Be patient. He needs some. He needs some kind of chill pill for sure. He needs GABA. But, uh, he may need GABA. But yeah, I mean, I like it. Again, um, it's just a. There's a lot of brain, you know, little substitutes and all that, and supplements you can try. Um, it and I've tried a few of them, um, and that that one seems to work the best for me. Um, I picked up on that through one of my conferences and. Um, I'll never forget a neurologist that was doing a lecture and somebody asked him if he was on a desert island, what was the one um, supplement that he would take over any? And he said, Cognitex. You know, I guess he, he'd have enough vitamin D around if he was on the desert island because to me, vitamin D is the most important vitamin. But certainly, you know, if you get past 50 years old, there's no doubt that you have a little neurodegeneration your brain's getting a little smaller and I just think it, it, it helps. It helps me some. I'm certain of it because I've, I've tried on and off of it and I just seem to be a little more alert. Can remember names a little better, Mm. which I'm terrible at anyway. Um, but, uh, so I think it helps. Um, so it, somewhat. it seems you're kind of using it for all of the above, uh, probably a little bit of short-term memory yeah. as well as uh, focus, alertness, um, things of that nature. Right. Short-term memory. Yeah. Long-term memory is easy. Short-term as you get older is what you need to kind of focus on. Um, so I think it I think it definitely helps me some. Bacope uh, is another one you could try. 
any any bacopa extract works pretty good. Some people say ginkgo works pretty well. Um, but you know, if you if you find yourself having a little harder time comprehending what you just read or you know, remembering names of people that um, should come to you real quickly. Either you're stressed or you're not getting enough sleep or you're getting a little bit of age on your brain. And maybe if you looked at my podcast from last week, you're drinking too much alcohol because it, it really is hard on neurons. Um, but uh, Ben, just put on a hat. I think, Lisa, that's a great idea. Put on a hat. I think that would help. Uh, thank you for thank you for that, uh, Lisa. I agree with you. I agree, agree with you, uh, Jasmine. I, I see you. Thank you for hanging out. I know you guys uh, had a long day at the uh, SkinCeuticals conference uh, with the team of estheticians. Our whole team uh, of estheticians went to a SkinCeuticals conference here in Knoxville. So thank you for for being with us. I, I think I don't think you need Cognitex, Jasmine. You're you're. Um, Jasmine doesn't need it. She's you know she's sharp. No, sharp as she's a young, young and sharp. Yep. Um, let's see, uh, D Lynn saying I need some hairspray. I agree. I think this is what probably needs to happen. Um, uh, but Katie says my hair, what you need to, I think you need a ball cap. You know, a ball cap is really a redneck toupee. That's what it is. So put uh, a ball cap. Uh, welcome in everybody uh, to the performance medicine show. This is where we answer your health and wellness questions. Uh, let's get to the next one here. Um, and let's see. If uh, this is an HRT question that I really want to get to, because I think it's going to help a lot of people. Is it ever, it's a, this is a combination question. So uh, we'll, we'll just kind of work our way through it. Is it ever too late to start HRT? I'm 55 years old and I've been postmenopausal for approximately eight years now. Uh, I just had the Cleveland heart panel done and it revealed that I have minimal hormones, estradiol less than five, progesterone 0.17 and testosterone 22 and then we get into uh, the question here my major complaints are fatigue weight gain brain fog apathy anxiety and depression is hrt what i need and is it safe to begin this many years uh after menopause and then i'll follow it up once you once you kind of tackle this one. Oh yeah for sure i mean number one you're not old you're 55 years old if you were 75, I would start HRT, mm. especially with those rock bottom levels. Uh, and again, you're not treating labs, you're treating symptoms. But, um, you know, a lot of people will say, I mean, most even people that are very skeptical and, you know, haven't kept up with the research, think that you should use them until age 65 or so. So definitely, it's, it's never too late in my mind. But um, the earlier, the better you want to get hormones on board before you lose a lot of your bone volume and brain volume as well. But no, you're certainly not too late to start hormone therapy. I mean, if you're 90 years old, you know, I probably wouldn't, but, um, although I have in a couple of patients, but, um, especially a couple of men, but that, that's just such a great question. And certainly you have all the symptoms of, of, um, you know, no hormones, lack of hormones. Um, I saw a lady today that was 72 years old and she did a Cleveland and her hormones, of course, were low because she was way past menopause. And, you know, she, she really didn't have any interest in taking hormones, uh, because of that same thing 
that you're worried about. You know, people used to think that it caused breast cancer. And I explained this so many times during the course of every day in my practices. Here's a couple ways to, to look at this. Really, it's the only way to look at it. But as your hormones decline, you decline. The average age of menopause in a woman is between a 50 and 52. You know, when you have no more periods, you usually get symptomatic with hot flashes, night sweats, weight gain, fatigue, brain fog, um, joint pain. Um, it's almost like nature's way of saying that, you know, if you're finished reproducing, scenes start dying. And the problem is we're living too long. So if you want to live that second half of your life without hormones, you're going to get brittle. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's kind of, is it nature's plan for you? Yeah, it's kind of, if you want to take the nature's way out, then you're going to suffer because most likely you're going to live for a long time. Um, so if you want to live that second half of your life without hormones, you, you're going to suffer a lot more through osteoporosis, brain fog, less energy, more weight gain, especially around the belly. It really changes your metabolism um, in a bad way. Um, so, and, and the reason a lot of people are hesitant about it is because there was a study about 15 years ago called the Women's Health Initiative. In that study, which is really a cardiovascular study, it wasn't even a hormonal study. And the average woman in this study was 17 years postmenopausal. And they, they had some deductions based on this huge study and that scared everybody, doctors and patients included, off of hormone therapy. Now, here's the things you have to realize. Most of those women were 17 years postmenopausal, kind of late, but, and they were using Primrin and Primpro, which Primrin is made from pregnant horse urine, mare urine. And the pro part is medroxyprogesterone, which is a terrible form of, of progesterone. You know, it's the one that really causes all the problems. And what they did was they came out with this study that claimed through the media that there was a 25% increase in breast cancer by using hormones. And, but if you look at the study really closely, and I have, and, and so have a lot of other experts, and it's really a crime what they did coming out and saying that because it's completely false. Um, but first of all, when they just took the primrin only arm of the study, and then that's pregnant horse urine estrogens, it's not identical to what a woman puts out. Even with that, using Primrin alone, there was less breast cancer. And, but when they used Prim Pro with a medroxyprogesterone in that, the incidence of breast cancer went from four women per thousand to five women per thousand. And they claimed that was a 25% increase in breast cancer using Primpro. So it was really misconstrued. Before that study, Primrin and Primpro were the top two prescribed medicines in the United States. So it really put a lot of women at a disadvantage um, in taking hormones for everything. Um, so it was, a, it was a really bogus study. Um, and... 
Besides, they were using synthetic hormones. They weren't using bioidentical hormones, which is what most experts like me use. They come from plants. They're identical to what your body made before. You have a lot lower risk of breast cancer, heart disease, um, dementia. If you, if you start bioidentical hormones at your age, it's 55, your chances of getting dementia are cut in half. And that's significant because Alzheimer's dementia is a woman's disease, four to one over men. I mean, why, why don't you think women have heart attacks before age 50 like men do? Because of protective estrogen. Why, why don't you think that, why do you think they get more osteoporosis than men do? They've got protective estrogen. So when that goes away, you start getting brittle. So it's a quality of life thing for one thing, but it's also a longevity thing. You're going to live much, you're going to live better and longer. And besides that, it, it reminds you to get your mammogram yearly and your checkup. So, um, you know, when I put a woman on uh, hormones, I make sure she's up to date on everything. I mean, even you wouldn't want to even use a bioidentical hormone if a patient already had breast cancer. So you, you check it out first. So, um, so no, it's not too late. I almost guarantee you, you would improve in every one of those categories. Um, and, you know, you need to think about other things, too, like eating right, exercising, getting good night's sleep, handling stress or getting rid of stress, um, and living your best life. I mean, those should be the best years of your life. And a lot of times women gain weight through the years because your metabolism changes. You have kids, it throws your thyroid off, it throws your adrenals off. You become more insulin resistant. You get depressed, um, and and a lot of people, a lot of people don't realize women need testosterone as well as just estrogen and progesterone. Testosterone is very protective against breast cancer, and it's helpful in every other way. I mean, that's the one hormone, male or female, that really makes all the difference. Um, so, check out my podcast on using testosterone pellets in women that have had breast cancer, that you can no longer use any form of estrogen or progesterone. Uh, it decreases the risk of recurrence. Plus, it overcomes those side effects you, you're probably going to get from taking uh, medicines like tamoxifen. I dealt with a lady today on that. Um, it's a very interesting conversation with her. The, the, her side effects were so bad with tamoxifen that she, she's not going to do it. I mean, and they put you on that for five to 10 years. Mm. You know, it wipes all the estrogen out of your body. Um, so you, you have hot flashes, night sweats, osteoporosis, increased risk of heart disease, breaking bones. So, and it's kind of a miserable therapy. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it because it, it really reduces your risk of recurrence by about 3%. Average between maybe 1%, 3%, depending on which one you use. Um, so not only will testosterone pellets help those symptoms tremendously because this is the one hormone that works the best, it also decreases your risk of having a recurrence and having side effects from those um, medicines that really, that really have a lot of side effects like tamoxifen. Um, so do your research, look at it. Um, you know, your oncologist probably doesn't know about testosterone pellets. It's just, you know, they're not touted because they're not made by big pharma there's no way they're going to know about them and of course they're going to be skeptical about it you know us doctors are very skeptical about things we don't know about because a lot of times we think we know everything 
you know, so and we do things like it's been done for 30 years. But, um, you know, if you really have a lot of experience in this and you see women improving on this, and you see them on a daily basis and you do your deep dive into the research of, for example, testosterone pellets and breast cancer survivors, then uh, you'll probably want to sign up for it. But so do your research. Certainly, I hope that answered your question. I know I'm in a long winded soliloquy on the advantages of having bioidentical hormone replacement. To me, um, you're at risk if you don't do this. Um, you know, you, you almost have to fight nature in a way on this one, um, just like you would fight nature in a way by taking an antibiotic when you have an infection. Same thing. So um, just educate yourself and try it and, you know, talk to other women who have done this. But certainly it's not anywhere near too late for you. Um, so start on some hormone cream does not cause heart disease, does not cause blood clots. Um, we don't use oral estrogens or testosterone. Um, so in every way you would be helped. Um, so think about it. And the, the follow-up, and this is really perfectly timed here, is how long should HRT last? And I know it, it varies a little bit. Um, but how would you, how would you go about answering this, this sort of question around? I don't know. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Let's, how long should you take it in your lifetime? Is that how you take that? The way I took it was say you get a pellet procedure and how long that lasts. And oh. then the other, like if you're on creams, um, you know, how long do I have to take the creams, which, you know, I, I know your answer, but uh, for the people who haven't heard you talk a lot about hormones, uh, why don't you go ahead and just kind of talk to us about well, I would take it forever. I'll take it as long as you live. Mm -hmm. I certainly am going to. Um, but, you know, pellets last about four months, sometimes longer in women, about six months in men. Um, and if you do the creams, you just keep using them. I mean, you have to use those daily. I usually like to do it six nights out of the week so you won't develop a little bit of the tolerance, but it's not a big deal. You're probably going to forget about it one night a week anyway. But I think with male or female, pellets are the best way to go. There's no doubt about that, in my opinion. I, I think I probably did six cases today. Mm -hmm. um, I did one man, five women today with pellets. I do a lot more pellets on women than men because they're tiny. It takes me about a minute to get them in. And the women that get them in, I mean, 99% of them, know when their pellets are gone and come back in for more. Mm -hmm. um, I hardly ever see anybody go back to the cream occasionally, but um, you know, very rarely. So um, I hope that answers your question. And this is for my own personal uh, curiosity. Uh, what is, what's the age of the oldest, let's go with male, oldest male you've put on testosterone? Um. I did pellets on a 92-year-old pharmacist. Um, and Now, is he just starting? Um, he had done some testosterone shots, not by me, but in the distant past. Okay, okay. But it really helped him. Um, as females, you know, certainly into their mid-80s, I've done uh, creams. Usually by that time, I don't know why they don't want to do pellets, but they, they could, but... Um, certainly, um, and this, you know, this is, you're not going to find this, uh, 
in your regular doc, this information in your regular doctor's office, and you're not going to find it in your gyno's office either. And there are a few gynecologists that are really knowledgeable about this, but not many because they're just not taught it. And because pharmaceutical companies don't make these, it's been off patent for 50 years. There's no money in it for them. So that's what doctors tend to use. Um, I told you a few weeks ago when uh, one of my patients questioned their doctor on how he learned, he kept up with all the stuff in family practice. You know, how in the world could you keep up with all this stuff? Well, you study every night. What do you do to keep up with all this stuff? And he was very honest with this answer. It's very telling. He says, the drug reps. <laughs> and to me, that, that was a truthful answer. Sad, but true. Yeah. Because they're salesmen. Now, again, they have knowledge. They provide samples. And, you know, I'll learn stuff from the drug reps. But unless I do my own digging and use my own common sense and clear mind, then I want to learn way more than I'm going to learn from a, you know, a five-minute encounter with a drug rep. Yeah. And I have many great drug rep friends. I love them, but um, come on, you know, <laughs> this stuff's complex and you can't just learn your stuff through that. Yeah. If you are, you're going to be practicing medicine in the dark ages because medicine changes so much every year. I practice nothing like I did five years ago. Um, and I've been practicing 36 years. I don't use hardly anything that I did. 36 years ago, I first started my practice. It's completely different. It seems like the biggest skill is, is this continuous learning, you know, this continuous thirst, uh, for learning. And, 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 and like you said plenty of times before, you know, it's not necessarily the doctor's fault. A lot of them aren't in, aren't no, in scenarios where they it's can. Not. No, they're, they're like rats on a treadmill that have to churn it out. They don't have time enough to go over this stuff with you. They just don't. Unless I had a cash-based practice, there's no way I had time to. I was like every other doctor. Yeah. Sitting on a computer staring at that while I put a bunch of numbers in and tried to get you in, in and out of my office in seven minutes, which is the average visit. But I've told you this, Ben, but I'll tell the audience out there, there are three things that a doctor worries about in practicing medicine. Three things. And I, and I asked my brother about this, and he agreed with it 100%. And I've queried some other physician friends, and they say, You're, that's exactly right. So there's three things that, that doctors are focused on in their practice. Number one, they want to help the patient out, hopefully. I mean, that's why they got into medicine, to help somebody out, right? So that's your number one objective, help somebody with their health. The number two objective is to make a living doing this, to make money. So you've gone through all this training and there's a lot of stress. There's, there's a lot of, I mean, you know, you, you have people's lives on the line. You, they're relying on you. So, um, and you've done, you've trained for 12 years before you even start practicing. So you got a lot of time and money to make up for. But anyway, so the second thing, of course, is making a living doing this. Now, number three is avoiding a lawsuit. That's the third thing that they're worried about. Um, so I don't really worry about that much. <laughs> Knock on wood, I've never been sued in 36 years. 
I may get sued tomorrow, but I'm not worried about it. If I worried about that, I'd be practicing defensive medicine. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing the stuff I'm doing, looking outside the box. You know, I would be scared to, you know, I'd be practicing medicine the way I did 30 years ago. So they're worried about lawsuits. So they've got to really stay within a very, I better not do that. You know, um, that's outside the box. You know, it's that Tylenol is not FDA approved for, you know, that ache you have in your toe. Um, so that's the three things that doctors worry about. I hope that's a little eye-opening to you, but it's wild. It's, a, it's the honest truth. So, um, so anyway, we're going to stick with the stick with horm the hormone theme here tonight. Uh, this question is: I have heard a hormone podcaster say they use estradiol cream on their face to directly help their skin. Have you heard of doing this? Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can even put testosterone on the on the skin. Some of the compounders make a testosterone aftershave lotion, uh, but certainly estrogen is great for skin, hmm. and you certainly can. I just tell people not to put it uh, around the breast area, of course, uh, but we use it for vaginal dryness, for all kinds of stuff, you know, chronic UTIs and and things like that. So definitely, you definitely could could use it on, on your face. It's great for your skin. That's another reason to use hormones because you're going to look better as well. Um, your hair will be better. Hair loves estrogen. It's not too fond of testosterone or DHEA, um, especially if the testosterone is converting to DHT. So there's ways of dealing that with that if it help, happens. But um, anyway, right. good question. Yes, great question there. That was that was that was a uh, that was one we haven't gotten uh, on this show yet. So thank you for putting that in there. Uh, and this is one. Um, Lucas actually touched on this a bit in uh, our Dive Into Diet episode on supplements for performance. Uh, any of the supplements you have taught us to take that we should not take around the same time as drinking coffee, not taken with coffee, but just at the same sitting. Um, and in fact, that's what Lucas was talking about was something he tapes, takes with coffee. Uh, he mentioned taking GABA with coffee um, as a way of having kind of that, uh, the evening out. Offset. Thing. The, yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. That one you should take with coffee. You know, they used to say you shouldn't take your, if you're on thyroid supplementation or prescription medicine, you shouldn't take it. You know, just take that with a little bit of water. But actually, if you look at the research, you can actually take, drink your coffee with your arm or thyroid or synthroid or whatever form you take black coffee will not affect the absorption of your thyroid medicine. And that's kind of new out of endocrinology, but, um, you know, I'm trying to think of anything that you wouldn't else you wouldn't want to take with coffee. Um, I don't have a lot of restrictions with it, to be honest with you. Um, you might not want to take colostrum with coffee for your gut because the heat may, uh, affect it just a little bit, but certainly your B vitamins, uh, which are fine to be taken on an empty stomach. I prefer that you take your fat soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K, um, you know, with, with uh, a meal, especially a fatty meal, which again, I like good fats. Um, they're helpful for you. Never, never get on a low fat diet. Um, but other specifics, not with coffee. I have to think about that a little bit. 
as far as which ones. I'll ask Lucas. He, he's he's a real supplement expert too. Um, so I don't worry too much about it. Um, uh, about that aspect of it. You know, your your probiotic you might not want to drink with hot coffee like your digest shield. Um, it may affect the absorption somehow and maybe inactivate uh, some of those pre and probiotics. But um, that's a really good question. That though. is interesting. That's probably that's something um, I'll, I'll mention to Lucas and see if we can't do a, a little deeper dive uh, on dive into diet. Um, and coffee, coffee is so good for you. Um, you know, unless it, unless you have a lot of arrhythmias, it makes you too jittery, but coffee is great for your brain. It's, it's one of the most potent antioxidants out there, even more potent as an antioxidant than dark chocolate. So I really like coffee. Um, very helpful. Um, I'm going to put uh, this up from Bianca because it's a, it's a follow-up from the uh, estradiol on skin. So should we use our normal BHRT prescription on the face or ask for straight estradiol? And who would we ask for that? So kind of a, a little bit more. Um, well, you should go to the compounding pharmacy. and But no, use your regular hormone cream, you know, on your inner thighs for the most part. That's where I like to use it because it's more of a fatty area distributes better. But, you know, talk to your um, far, your compounding pharmacist is about a face cream. Uh, and I'll do a little bit deeper dive on that because if you're using it on your face, again, monitor your levels and make sure that that estrogen progesterone balance is good. So I'd if I was using it on the face and the inner thigh, I'd probably tweak it a little bit the formula on your thigh, and I'd certainly follow blood levels to look at that. But uh, that's a great question. Is this something great they ask their, their provider or a compounding pharmacist around in terms of? A compounding pharmacist. I'll get a little more information on, on that for you. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a great. Even when I add a, like say you're taking uh, a cream for your inner thigh, and we want to add a little bit of uh, vaginal estradiol I prefer estriol for that single purpose for dryness um, but I, I may take a little bit out of the uh, the biased cream for the inner thigh but you know usually not because you only usually have to use the estriol cream a couple times a week so it shouldn't affect your levels too much but I always follow levels and I follow symptoms um but look at that estrogen progesterone balance. They balance each other out. They're both important. Uh, whether you have a uterus or not, you still need progesterone. I'm trying to think of mandatory, like, but would you, would you use it on the face just as an, uh, an additive or would you, uh, is it for like a completely different purpose for more like an, an we're, we're talking about for skin, okay. for skin with Got that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Bianca, um, Pop, what do you think? St. Pete? I love St. Pete. Jeff's Man, down there. I yeah. Um, my brother-in-law lives in Tampa. And, of course, you fly into St. Pete. Lynn, and, um, Lynn we, might, we might have to. We, we, we promised Katie we wouldn't open an office in 2023. Um, but maybe we can convince her in, like, 2024. I don't know. I'd love to go to Nashville. I, I think Nashville's my next move. 
But then maybe St. Pete. You know, Saint I'm getting Pete. old now. 68, that'd be a good move for me. I think that's a great you move know, for you. Wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be a great move for me to go down there and retire. Yeah. But not, you know, I'll never retire from working, but actually be in a better climate. My <laughs> ultimate goal would be to go down there for the winter. Uh, you know? Shout out to all the Floridians uh, in here. Uh, we love, we love, uh, we love Florida. Uh, thank you, Len, for, for hanging out with us uh, this evening. All right, we got a few more questions here. Um, let's see. This was one kind of a follow-up to, to, to one I, I, I misinterpreted from, from uh, D. Len last week. Um, this is around the, the shingles vaccine. And um, uh, the question here is a little follow-up. Get the vaccine if you have had shingles. So the way I interpret it, uh, they've had shingles before. Should they get the shingles vaccine? They're choosing no um, because you know, of the it's increase. weird that, yeah, it's weird. You know, once you have shingles, in my opinion, in looking at patients, you're more likely to recur with it. Um, a lot of people get them over and over again in the same spot, you know. So, um, you know, like I told somebody today, um, they didn't want to, they felt terrible after they took their first Shingrix. You know, it's a two shot thing nowadays. And I, you know, a few years ago, I took one and I felt terrible too. So I didn't get the second one. So I assume that I've got some protection. Um, and, but if you've had, if you choose to get the, the shingle shot, please don't do it within six months of when you've had an outbreak of shingles. After that, you could take it. But, um, you know, I can't blame you for not doing it. Um, I've seen some horrible cases of shingles for sure. So, um, and there is some protection with it, with the, the shingles vaccine. Um, you know, I can't talk a whole lot about vaccines, uh, you know, on the show. So um, maybe you want to get with me later on that. But, uh, um, but certainly the shingles vaccine uh, has its pros and it may have its cons. You may not feel very good after you've had one. But just the fact, well, the fact that you get shingles means that you had chicken pox when you were a kid. It never really leaves your body. It just kind of hides in a nerve root. And it can recur based on anything. Most of the time we don't know why. But sometimes... Stress can bring it out. Um, a virus could bring it out. Um, you know, another kind of virus. But um, so, you know, just think about it. Um, so, it, but, you know, I don't know the exact statistics on it, but so make your own decision there. Certainly, if you don't feel comfortable with it, don't do it. Thank you so much for for that question there. And this is we're going to move on because I want to get to some live questions here. We got a uh, some questions flowing in. Go ahead and put those uh, questions in the comments, guys. If you got a question for Doc uh, Rowell, man, we'd love to be in Texas too. I love Texas, Texas forever. Friday night lights. That's right. Yeah. Um, have you considered working with Rife based devices or worked with them in the past? If so, are there any you would recommend? Um, yeah, if I remember right, a rife based devices is, is, I'm pretty sure it's an, a, it's an electric electromagnetic frequency device that they claim can 
treat cancer based on frequencies that can destroy bacteria, which the, the I think that the, the rationale for using that was that bacteria caused cancer. And there may be very well be an infectious etiology to cancer. There probably is, whether it be viral or um, uh, bacterial in nature, uh, parasitic in nature, for sure. Um, so that's a really interesting question. No, I haven't worked with one. And my gut feeling is that, um, you know, it's, it's really outside the box, but I think you can get these and buy them and use them in your house. But from everything I've heard, because I've had a couple of patients um, mention this to me in the, in the distant past, and it's, I think it's all based on this one doctor's observations decades ago. Um, but most of the things I've read say it doesn't really work. Um, not that electromagnetic frequencies won't work to provide some time of healing. They, I think they do. And they may, in fact, be, um, you know, work for some types of cancers. Um, but the, the home devices, you're probably wasting your money. What I've heard is that you'd have to get totally different frequencies and you'd have to get a lot more expensive evidence-based um, studies to see if it, it would work. And certainly the, the riff against it would be that um, you would use one of these devices if you came down with cancer and ignore the traditional treatment. You know, I'm all for alternative, trying alternative things for cancer treatments, but first do the traditional, like get the cancer cut out if it's a tumor, get it out. And whether or not you can, you consent to doing uh, some forms of chemo or radiation, that's up to you. And look at the stats on the different success rates on it. So, no, I haven't worked with one. I wouldn't buy one for myself. If there was a more powerful machine that uh, had more proof that it worked, then you know I may con you know I may consider it. But for cancer treatments. That you're kind of out on, on a limb out there with those things. So I hope this helped. Um, there's not anyone that I really know about that I'd recommend at this point. Um, you know, hopefully they'll come up with better electromagnetic devices that pulsed energy. I'm certainly a believer in, in energy therapy, you know, for healing. But for when you have a cancer, you know, you need to go after it with everything. And so don't rely on that machine to cure your cancer. Uh, great question there. Thank you for, for sending that in. I just got a, a question here on Facebook. I, I totally missed. I'm sorry uh, that I missed this last week. Um, the question's around Mongero, and we've been, we've been talking quite a bit uh, around Mongero recently. The question is, why does my Mongero only seem to last about three days before I started having cravings and want to eat everything. I'm on five milligrams for about six weeks now. Uh, any thoughts around this, Doc? Yeah, you need to increase your dose. Um, it'll, it should last almost a week. Um, there may be other factors and other things you can do to suppress your appetite along with the Mongero. 
Um, but it's, it's proven to be a really good medicine. I really like it. Um, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday about uh, Ozempic and Monjero mm -hmm. and the, the bringing out of Wegovy, which is really semiglutide. Ozempic marketed just for weight loss. And of course, Ozempic and Monjero are marketed for diabetics. They're, they're used off label much more frequently for weight loss and diabetes, but it's only FDA approved for uh, diabetes. So insurances won't cover them. That's the problem with it. So Novo Nordisk, the makers of Ozempic, um, came out with a product named Wegovy. It's a, it's a once a week semi-glutide that, um, works really well and you can actually go higher on the dose than you can the Ozempic. So it really works good. The problem is it was so popular and they promised, you know, you only be paying $25 a month for this. If you had certain types of insurance, they didn't make enough. They contracted with one service to make the stuff and they got inspected by the FDA and couldn't make it until they cleaned up their act. So it was a massive failure on the part of that drug company to promote it so heavily and mm. not have the means to make it. So it was an abject failure as far as a marketing ploy. I mean, it's a great, it's a great medicine. It really is. It's the same thing as Ozempic, but it's approved for weight loss. Um, even you can use it in higher doses. So what, <laughs> They got a few million dollars worth of sales out of that product when it could have already been billions of dollars. And now you can't get enough Ozempic or Monjero because of that screw up. Mm. They can't make enough. And now no insurance company is going to pay for it unless you're a diabetic. So it was a terrible marketing. But anyway, the makers of Monjero, Lily, Eli Lilly, they're going to come out with Mongero that's going to be probably marketed under a different name, but that will compete with Wegovy for weight loss. Um, so it's really interesting if you look at the their business model and you see it from from the practitioner side. Uh, what a massive screw up that was! Um, so go read the Wall Street Journal on this because people are using it everywhere for weight loss, from Hollywood actors to everybody um it's it should that that medicine both of them semi-glutide uh that's the that's the drug of the decade for sure and there's a lot of evidence that it can reverse non-alcoholic fatty liver uh it definitely protects your heart and people that have heart disease so it probably prevents it as well and it works as a wonderful tool for uh diabetics it works for just amazing for weight loss have you seen in many of my podcasts that we've done on this uh so it's definitely the drug of the decade um but you know you need to increase your dose you can go all the way to 15 milligrams with that but, you know go slowly how, how should they step upwards uh go up uh, a milligram a week how do you normally coach people to do that usually you know start out at 2.5 then five not a week wait a month between changes 10 15 so I if they're, so if they're at five, five what 10, comes after that 10 okay that's what i would do all right hope that helps and i'm gonna uh, i'm super sorry for missing that last week so thank you for being uh 
uh, patient with me here. And I just got another one here on Facebook. Could you please tell me where to purchase the Cofix nasal spray discussed in today's podcast? Um, Cofix, I'm a, I'm a, I know we have it in the office. Is there? Is it on Amazon as well? Is there other places? To find you could it? probably order it through Amazon. It's in all, all our offices. But yeah, look on on Amazon. C O F I X. Okay. Uh, every household should have one around. Uh, as soon as you start getting sick, which is what I do, spray up your nose and your throat. All right, guys. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the comments here. Uh, if you have a question for Doc, uh, we're going to try to get to as many people as possible. Uh, I see Barbara. I see you. Great to see you in here. Uh, Mark, I got your question here. Terry, what's up? Sue, Jack, uh, great to see everybody. We're jumping in here. We're going to answer some questions uh, for the Performance uh, Medicine Show. Uh, thank you, Katie. Uh, the PM Google, it is not in all of the offices. Kingsboro is uh, currently out. Okay, so we're out in Kingsport. Wow. Um, I thought we had a ton of it. So it must we be. Will... Right now is the flu season. I'm telling you, the flu is all over the place. I think we're going to have a bad flu season. Yeah. I really do. Uh, um, we'll keep everybody posted on that. Uh, thank you, Katie, for uh, putting that in there for us. Um, okay, let's get to, to, to some questions here. Um, I want to start with uh, Montana. I see you. Thank you for being in here. Um, okay, Lynn's question. Uh, any advice for interstitial cystitis? That's a toughie. That is a really toughie. Um, that's a chronic inflammatory state of your bladder. It's very hard to treat. You're prone to a lot of UTIs and just pain and all that stuff. So, you know, you really need to think outside the box on this one. Uh, there's a couple things that I do that are kind of outside the box that I think help this. One is methylene blue. Um, which has so many uses from long COVID to breathing better, to having more energy, to treating and preventing UTIs. Um, it was actually the first antibiotic invented back in 1869, I believe. It, it's a dye. But the pharmaceutical grade acts as an antibiotic, antiparasitic, antifungal. Read about methylene blue. Try that. And also, I like low-dose naltrexone, LDN. I've had some pretty good luck with uh, IC with that. Um, so you have to almost think of it as kind of an autoimmune phenomena. Um, certainly look at your diet as well. You know, a lot of times you'll get people on a totally different diet, perhaps carnivore, perhaps keto, um, and it gets better. So try, try those two things, though, one of, one of those two. Um, LDN is a prescription medicine, methylene blue, you can get over the counter. We, we should have methylene blue in most of our offices. Um, and I'm just going to put this up for Lynn here. Uh, yes. Um, you can absolutely come in, uh, if you're, oh, sure. uh, yeah. visiting, uh, Kingsport, we would love to see you. Um, yeah. thank you for putting that in there. Um, let's get to, to Mark's question because it, it really has a lot to do with, uh, the podcast episode today on the Common Sense MD. We're seeing a severe cold and flu season. Hospitals are beyond full. ER wait times are measured in an hour. There are shortages of amoxicillin and Tamiflu in the midst of infections. Question is, what are your suggestions for a personal armamentarium for dealing with the different illnesses from home? Uh, you yeah. just mentioned one in Cofix. Right. What's your? Let, let's go ahead and just name all of them for for the people here that uh, want to find it just in one place. 
Well, certainly have your vitamin C, have a lot of vitamin C around, uh, have vitamin D. You're going to be taking 50,000 of D a day for five days when you get sick. You're going to be taking a gram of vitamin C every hour until you feel better. Um, and certainly take zinc, 50 to 75 milligrams. Always keep those in your house. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of other things you can take. But one thing, you do need a home medical kit, as I've told many people. Always keep a Z-Pack around your house, uh, maybe some doxycycline. Um, now, I give people prescriptions all the time for home use for when they determine they need to use it. Uh, you know, I'm not like most doctors. Oh, let's, let's see and all this have you. No, you should have it there. Uh, save you an ER visit, maybe. Um, but the other things you should have, um, you know, my, excuse me, you have to figure, I'd have some Tamiflu or Zofluza. Zofluza is a one-time pill only. Uh, it's really good. You, you really need to hit it within two days. Tamiflu maybe within the first five days, but works better within the first two. Um, so you need, you need something for flu. Um, and if you read protocols for other viruses, you can read those and have your, um, medicine stored away from that, uh, which I won't mention, but, um, you should also have some Zofran for nausea and vomiting around your house. Um, you should, um, maybe keep some methylene blue around the house. Uh, keep some Imodium, that's over the counter around the house. Um, and one thing that, that I talked about during the podcast today is there are home kits, home nasal swabs to see whether it, it is going to be uh, RSV, influenza, or COVID-19. You can swab your own nose, FedEx it immediately out, and within one to two days, you, you know, you're going to have your answer of when they receive it. Um, a lot of that, a better way to do it, but you, so you may want to purchase some of these at your local pharmacy um, or order it off of Prime. You know, I got a, I got a, a handout today from Amazon. You can get your medicines through Prime. You know, apparently you can get them 80% off if you belong to Prime like I do. I do it because I can watch the movies. Um you know, you pay an annual fee and it's a great deal on a lot of stuff, but you, they actually have pharmacies. You can get 80% off of your brand and generic prescriptions. I don't know how it compares with good RX, but um, I think it's going to be a major player in the pharmaceutical game. I really do. Um, they kind of, I guess they believe in what I do. You should be prepared um, because you don't want to end up in the hospital you know, especially right now with everything going around and the wait times and the, it's just, it's tough. Um, you need to reserve the ER for use that people really need it. Um, but, but anyway, um, what else would I have around there? Um, oh, I would have a kit maybe, but here's what I was going to say. You know, you can go a lot of pharmacies and there's one here in our town, Markham's, I don't mind saying it where you can, I had, I sent a guy there today where you can drive your car in there and in the drive, in the parking lot, you call them, they'll come out to your car, swab your nose, and it's called a fourplex test. And they can tell you if it's type A or B flu, RSV or COVID-19 in about 20 to 30 minutes. 
And then you call our office with the results or they will or you will, and we'll treat you over the phone. Um, so that's that's a great little tool. I hope I'll, I hope a lot of pharmacies start doing this. And it's the same test you get in an ER or an urgent care center. You do it drive in, you know, without having to go make an official visit and wait hours to get in around all those other sick people. So I think that's going to be a really big thing this winter. Um, so hopefully find out somebody that does that near, near where you are. Um, do you like, I always pronounce it wrong. Ocilocinium. I'm putting this up from D uh, because you, you, you mentioned it in the podcast today. Um, and, uh, and I kind of want to hear your thoughts. Is this something that, that people should consider? Yeah, I mean, a, lot, a lot of people, yeah, that's another thing that I should have mentioned to keep around your house. It's a homeopathic medication. It's not expensive. And, you know, if you look at the stats, it works about 50% of the time. Um, but it's, it's a homeopathic medicine, which actually homeopathy, most doctors are not going to know what that is, but they think it's, you know, witchcraft or whatever, just worthless. But actually it does have some, some uses, but homeopathic medicines, the theory is they take something that's actually like in that case, it's part, it is the flu virus that a tiny bit of it can be harbored in wild duck heart and liver. And so what they do is they isolate this and they dilute it so many times that you can't actually measure it as being in there. That's how they get by with using it as an over-the-counter preparation. Um, so supposedly the energy from this compound is still in that extraction. But I have a lot of people that really like it if used early. You know, what you do on that, it comes in these little pellets. I've never used it, but um, it comes in this little tube and it comes in pellets that you put on top of your tongue. Don't touch the pellets. Just from the tube right on the top of your tongue, it dissolves. And uh, you can do that up to three times a day, I believe. Um, if in one day you're better, that's all you need is one day. If you get it early, but you could use it up to three days. But so I'm not against it at all. I think it may work in a lot of cases. So maybe something else, especially if you don't like taking prescription medicines, definitely have that on hand. Uh, thank you for that comment, D. Um, let's see here. Katie's saying methylene blue is in the Kingsport office, but also available on Amazon uh, for those interested in methylene blue. Uh, Motaz, thank you for watching the flu episode today. Thank you so much, man. I hope you don't get the flu, Motaz. But if you do, you know what to do. Um, Steve's got a great comment here. I keep dragon's blood in my med cab. Uh, medicine cabinet, great all around adaptogen drops in water, but excellent on wounds, especially in the mouth. Thank you for that. That's a good, uh, wow. good tip there. I've, do I don't you, know where you get the dragon's blood, but that sounds like a pretty dangerous thing to, to try to go extract. That's an, so it's an, it's an, <laughs> uh, Steve's a tough dude. That dude's a tough dude. Steve is tough. He's a tough dude. I don't dude. know if I've seen many tougher. Um, Steve, if you have a, a, a brand you like, go ahead and, and put that in for us. Um, thank, thank you, you for that. Um, just got an, another one come in uh, through Messenger. Any suggestions for lungs? I've had bronchitis. My lungs are hurting and burning, and the cough is terrible. What, what's your thoughts around you know keeping your lungs healthy during bronchitis? 
Well, why you have bronchitis? If you if you're coughing up yellow stuff, I'd use a ZPAC. You know, I'd use an antibiotic, um, and I would also pop my doses of the vitamins up. I would use uh, the Cofix in my throat and nose, um, and I would use methylene blue. Hmm. It's great for your lungs, and there's a lot of other stuff you can do, like you know, nebulized pulmacort. Um, Watch your O2 sats. You don't want to let your lungs get too bad. You don't want to develop into pneumonia. Um, so um, some people believe in nebulized hydrogen peroxide. Some people swear by it. So look that up. I'm certainly not against it. Um, as long as you do it right, you got to have the right um, concentrations of pharmaceutical grade hydrogen peroxide. Um, so you could try that. Um, a lot of people really swear by that. Um, but keep an eye on your O2 sets and make sure that they don't drop. I'm not against inhalers to open it up. There's Steve. Rainforest Pharmacy. Sangre de Drago. Sangre de Drago. Thank you for putting that in there, Steve. Um, so this is uh, in adaptin, adaptogen. Uh, drops in water, but excellent in wounds, especially now. Cool. Thank you for, for putting that what in. What if that there. works for canker sores? I'd be interested to see if that works for canker sores. That'd be interesting. Uh, D saying elderberry as well as something to have in the cabinet. Yeah, uh, great. So I meant to say that. Yeah. That's another great one. Um, cool. All right, guys. Well, I think is is Dr. Ike around? Is she coming He's up? right here. Ike. Come here, Ike. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.